This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of March 20th, 2021. The EU is following the U.S. and lifting tariffs. Maybe things are getting better. Or not, as we lose a legend of the wine world. And Stone is making news again. Not for their beer, though. And Topo Chico is getting into the hard seltzer game. Wait, they're going the wrong way. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's get straight into the news. I have to not be distracted by the banner at the top of this thing and talk about the U.S. tariffs and the EU wine and spirits uh, and liqueurs. They're lifting them, just taking them off. Just, no, whatever. Free trade. <laughs> Anyway, the U.S. and the EU agreed on Friday to suspend tariffs relating to a long-standing dispute over civil aircrafts. Uh, we had talked – this is more of an update because we had talked a little bit about the the U.S. making the first steps uh, previously and just saying, hey, guys, it's all calm down. We're all going to be little Fonzies here in this trade war. And how was Fonzie? And someone in Italy went, he's, he's cool. Correcto mundo. Uh Anyway, the announcement will see a 25% duties on wine, spirits, liqueurs, and other consumed goods lifted for four months while the parties attempt to reach a permanent agreement. Uh, if I would like to, to offer myself to go there and say, look, if we can work in a little – just a line, just a clause somewhere in one of these paragraphs that just says, and all of them are sent directly to me, <laughs> I'll share. That's fine. Will but you? I want it. <laughs> no, I'll sit. I'll I'll hoard it like it's a like a smog. <laughs> Just be sitting on a, I'll sleep on a pile of bottles. My back will be in utter agony, but I will be content. There you go. <laughs> be the best sleep you've ever had. <laughs> uh, President Biden and Ursula von der Leyen. Uh, honestly, I didn't think anyone was actually named Ursula. Uh, the president of the uh, uh, the European Commission uh, reached a temporary agreement on a phone call on Friday. Uh, in a statement, the EC executive vice president and trade commissioner, Valdis Dombrowski. Nice. <laughs> I, I don't know how close I got, guys, but Points it felt trying. right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just... Described the news as a significant step forward and said removing these tariffs is a win-win for both sides at the time when the pandemic is hurting our workers and our economies. Yeah, if only someone had thought about when the uh, when the whole thing broke out. Anyway, Friday announcement suspended 25% U.S. tax on uh, wines from France, Spain, uh, Germany, and the U.K., uh, introduced in 2019. A similar duty on the cores and cordials from uh, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Spain, and Cognac. 
not France, specifically cognac. Uh, another great brandies. Oh, sorry. I didn't keep reading that sentence. And cognac and other great brandies from France. Ah. The, there's a better way to have phrased that. Uh, anyway, and th- those and uh, will also be uh, be lifted for the four-month period. Uh, that's good news because for many American distillers, the agreement also signals suspension to the end of the 25% EU tariffs on American rum, brandy, and vodka. Hmm. Uh, I wonder how popular – this is completely like just Tangentville, USA, but I wonder how uh, uh, how popular American vodka is in Russia. Uh, hmm. I'm sure not at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, do they look at it and go, no, or do they look at it and go – Yes, I would like the cotton candy. <laughs> Didn't think of that. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I need something to, to bring joy to my dour existence in the Bratva. <laughs> We're sorry, Russia. Sorry, that's the extent of my, 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 my current Russian knowledge. I, I apologize. <laughs> uh, you mean you don't know, how, you don't know uh, I am the machine? I do know I am the machine, uh, which is where my knowledge of the Bratfoot comes from, <laughs> and 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 the CW show Arrow. Ah. Anyway, the easing of the U.S. EU tensions has not extended to a point addressing the uh, addressing a separate set of duties affecting the American whiskey industry. Mm. Uh, that dispute dates back to May 2018 when the U.S. imposed tariffs on EU aluminum and steel products. In retaliation, the EU slapped a 25% tax on American goods, including whiskey. The duty remains in both the EU and the U.K. and is set to double to 50% on June 1st, 2021. Come on, guys. Why? Just drop all of it. Because At this point, who planes. are you helping? Yeah. Because planes. Anyway, much like it did on Thursday, the Distilled Spirits Council had mixed reaction to Friday's announcement. Uh, the industry described uh, industry organization described the tariff suspension as a promising breakthrough, but lamented the continued tariffs on American whiskey, noting the excessive burden is unfair and not sustainable. So yeah, uh, so it's not not a all wins. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but you know, progress is being made. We got they got four months to try to fix stuff, and maybe they can fix you know, whiskey and other things. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but, you know, at least the rest of the news for the day is, is uplifting and not at all depressing. Right. Right. Uh, hmm. Maybe just skip this next one. If that's how you feel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're mourning the loss of someone in the wine world. So look, there's no one in the uh, wine world that, that uh, I actually care about to... outside of the guy who did the 1976 Judgment of Paris, where he, you know, screwed up with, you know, he screwed <laughs> all these guys, making them think that they they were drinking good wine when they were drinking cheap wine. So as long as it's not that, Brittany, continue. Well, maybe I should just stop talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I'm gonna say his last name wrong <laughs> is it spurrier or spurrier i think it's spurrier you never know okay steven spurrier organizer of the 76 judgment of paris of course um legendary wine merchant educator and writer 
who changed the course of the international wine industry, has passed away at the age of 79. He died after midnight on Tuesday at his home in Dorset, England. Um, He will best be remembered for organizing the 1976 Judgment of Paris Blind Tasting, which pitted bottles from California against wines from Burgundy and Bordeaux. The unexpected results, which saw California whites and reds best their French counterparts, had a profound positive impact on the reputation of American wine worldwide and changed the face of viticulture in Napa. Past the historical French tasting, uh, he said he should be remembered for his week, his work as an educator and his academic Duvin uh, wine schools, his various business ventures as a merchant, bar owner, and wine consultant, and his work as a, uh, how do you say that, vineyard? Question mark. Um, the other thing was, of course, he also had a vineyard because why wouldn't you if you're in that that zone? Um, the vineyard he planted on the Dorset hillside opposite his and his, I guess, his wife Bella's house, uh, and he pr- did that in uh, 2008, 2009. Um, it firmly established as a uh, as a su- superior English sparkling wine um, from that vineyard. So that's interesting too. Um, yeah, so that's, that sucks. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people have heard of that that tasting um, <clears throat> with, which just it just kind of feels like a good uh, f off to the to the wine snobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, anytime you can put your thumb in the nose of France, <laughs> I think I think we're all generally kind of okay with it. Yeah, like they've. They've had it too good for too long. What with their multiple revolutions and starving and World War Two problems. And... You know what? Never mind. <laughs> you, we're we're kind of. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Most of Southern France was collaborating with the. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> that's that's getting depressing again. Uh, we're but, just full of joy. No, this like week, the. Yes. the... <laughs> but no, the the you know the the judgment of judgment of Paris was a really fun blind tasting story we've talked about uh, at least somewhat uh and in the main show uh and just uh just that that like here here's a blind tasting oh this is the greatest must come from the you know whatever region in france from from this vineyard correct uh no no that's uh that's franzia box wine (laughs) Uh, would you like me to slap the bag for you sir (laughs) Yes. Uh, maybe I don't know. We'd have to look and see if uh, there's if there are any good first hand accounts of it. And I don't know. Oh, that would I'm be sure if we is. can find one, that would be a great episode in and of itself. Just like reading like basically a manuscript of what was happening there and the reactions when it was revealed. Isn't isn't that and I'm I may be getting it backwards, but isn't that the the, the... Total shock? basis of the movie I, case I yeah the movie casey that. assigned like, homework for us thing, right it was yeah that was the beginning of it that was okay. him going the movie's him yeah. going to california and okay it's about the california wine revolution gotcha right uh um, we still have to do that well, watch party for that got a lot way. of watch parties we need to do true <laughs> a lot of things we need to do uh like talk about uh talk about stone you know, maybe there's good news from Stone. Uh, 
Nope, nope. This headline talks about a settlement. That can't be good. TTB accepts a $1.8 million settlement offer from Stone Brewing for alleged compliance issues. <sighs> Stone, what are you doing? After a long hiatus, the TTB's Tax Audit Division, or TAD, yeah, because that's, why not name your tax audit area after the widest name I can think of? Uh, appears to be resuming audits of routine industry members, including larger independent breweries such as Stone, publicly uh, available and uh, redacted offering, offer and compromise found. And a link on this page from Lexology. Uh, TTB alleged the following violations against Stone. Uh, one, underpayment of taxes, including misapplication of reduced tax rates, non-payment of unsubstantiated uh, reports, and non-payment of inventory shortages and non-payment of certain other removals. You know, I want to say, like, maybe it was just a mistake. No, you don't have you – do, you're not a big company like that and make that as a mistake and have to pay a – Hundred, you pay a one point eight million dollar, you know, thing. Uh, number two, failure to timely file and pay federal uh, excise taxes. Mm. Yeah, look, pandemic didn't mean the rules didn't apply. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Number three, failure to submit timely brewers' report of operations as well as accurate operational reports. Man, someone was asleep at their computer. They should have just had like that, like, like that dipping duck, you know, that you put in the glass of water, and just had it just hitting a button to just you know hit enter for send. Just like, come on, guys, just yeah. Uh, and number four, failure to maintain sufficient TTB bond coverage for brewery operations. You know, that's that's more failures than I would expect out of out of Stone. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> uh, these allegations are a typical compromise issue that would uh, that one would see when dealing with TTB audits and do not appear to reflect a policy shift or increased enforcement of a sp uh, specific area of compliance. Uh, <laughs> these are everyone does it. We just occasionally catch you. Yeah, that's I guess that's is what that's saying. That's, uh, so many things. Uh, they have agreed to pay $1.8 in response to the alleged TTB violations, totaling $2.7 million. Jeez. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. You can pay half and just get away with it? And they're like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. They're like, we, have, we got money. Yay. Uh, well, it could be a sign that TTB... Uh, anyway, they said, what's the takeaway? It could be a sign that TTB is back on the audit trail. Uh Seems like the most boring hike ever. And scrutinizing larger independent breweries once again. If you are an industry member, uh, now would be a great time to do an internal audit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Review your records and compliance processes and catch uh, uh, catch any issues before the TTB shows up for an unannounced audit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, audits aren't fun. No, of any kind, really. They're... Hey, uh, hey, hey. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm an auditor. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And having gone through an audit at the start of this year that they didn't uh, at work where they didn't tell us the rules had changed until two weeks after the audit, but we still were counted by the rules from then. Jeez. 
it's real fun. Well, okay. So when I'm auditing, I like the supervisor gets a heads up the week prior. And no. it's up to them to let their employee know, hey, you've got an auditor with you all this coming, like next week. They usually don't let them know. Mm-hmm. And it's like... That'd have, been, that'd have been nice. We asked our auditor questions about what he wanted, and he went, man, I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's usually my, like, when I get asked questions, I'm like, man, I don't know. I was like, I, I've got my little list here. Good. I know... <laughs> It's like, you know what, what I'm looking for. I know what I'm looking for. Let's not beat around the bush. No, he didn't know what he was looking oh, for. Well. <laughs> he sent us a list of stuff. Never mind. This is getting yeah. into personal <laughs> things. Uh, it, it, in my defense, I don't have anywhere posted where I work, so it should be fine. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, like... Honestly, I kind of feel like this this seems somewhat, I guess, like, you know, the paying half, I guess, kind of feels like maybe it's business as usual. They're just like, yeah, we're finding you this. What if we pay this? Good enough. Whatever. <laughs> just, you're done. It's like tra- taking a, a Apparently a there's haggling. Well, I was going to say, apparently there's haggling you can do over yeah. here. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so your stuff. I also see uh, it as they've probably at paid... this point. I feel like the TTB is just glad. Oh, I was just saying, I'm just I'm assuming the TTB is just glad to see money coming in. Yeah, and I mean Stones paid their lawyers so much that I'm sure this was just like, they were like, ah, eh, we'll go argue this thing for you and get that that price hammered down for you just because you've already <laughs> given us millions. We we could have a lengthy, drawn out court process where we argue about this for a while, wasting your time, wasting our time. Or we can give you half, and we all just accept that that's good enough. And you help us out with our whole, <laughs> uh, what was it, the, the other lawsuits that they've got. <laughs> there's, well, I'm sure there's a list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I have to imagine there's no end of, if you're getting to the edge and bigger company of like what stone is, there's probably just all kinds of small little lawsuits that are just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, you know what should be uh, uh, not a small lawsuit, but a big one. Ballast point making uh, a clear hazy IPA. <laughs> yeah. never mind. Let's sue them. I'm going to sue them right now. I'll sue him for one ballast point. <laughs> I mean, that's like, what, two tacos and $5 at this point? One old ballast point, <laughs> not one current ballast point. It's been a while at this point since the last time we checked in on a uh, still mind-boggling story of ballast point, the San Diego, California craft beer icon that first sold to Constellation Brands for a record one ballast point back in 2016 <laughs> at the height of the craft beer boom. In retrospect, this means... By far the most massively overinflated of all overvalued brewery sales of the era, taking place at precisely the moment when the fruited IPA wave came to a crest, bringing Ballast Point and Grapefruit Sculpin IPA in particular to their highest point. It's like going into the auction, everyone's bidding, you know, $2,000 or something. One billion dollars, uh, sir. Uh, sure, I guess. Yeah. Anyone gonna beat a billion? No. 
All right. Sold. Here's your two tacos. Here's your two tacos and a <laughs> and a brisk. Uh, moving on. Um, well, that year in 2016, they sold a company record uh, 431,000 barrels of beer, and Constellation was no doubt projecting that the brand would become the next Boston Beer Company. Fast forward to 2019, and Bell's Point had already become <laughs> a shell of its former self. Who? Okay. Who looked in 2016 at Ballast Point and thought they're going to be the next Boston beer? I'm sure somebody. Apparently, I mean, Constellation. <laughs> Look, they're not they, known for their. They were high making. on beer glass. <laughs> well, they were they were bleeding out from their necks and just. <laughs> their total production across half a dozen Ballast Point breweries and tap rooms around the U.S. had been slashed by more than half, around 200,000 barrels. Volume growth of the overall craft beer segment had slowed, while the overall number of small brewing operations continued to balloon. Meanwhile, Hazy IPA was stealing the thunder of the drier West Coast IPAs that had long been Battles Point's claim to fame. And the new Hazy category was propelling I'm... other industry stalwarts that adopted it early, such as Sierra Nevada, to new heights. A combination of factors had uh, led Ballast Point to become exactly the sort of big regional brewery that suffered in this era, overextended, disconnected from the zeitgeist, and abandoned by the same sort of by small and local ethos that decades earlier had fueled its own growth. All I can think of, well, I think of two things. One, I hear Bring the Thunder, and I'm just picking, picturing Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. <laughs> uh, but uh, two... The uh, just the like, yeah, no, like they're just the sad guys at the end, just like, but, but we were the kings. What, what happened? Where, where'd everyone go? Yeah, man, you tried this hazy. Like, beer moves pretty fast. If you don't, if you don't stop and drink around once in a while, <laughs> you might lose a lot of value. I was wondering how you were gonna. You, you made it work. Good, good job. <laughs> I was like, how's he? Okay, you know, just, just got to sit down. Where's he going yeah. with this? I don't know. Yep. <laughs> well, we all know what came next. Not going to lie. I forgot in the middle. <laughs> we all know what came next. You know, they ended up selling for a much lower amount, blah, blah, blah. Now, though, Ballast Point has suddenly reentered the craft beer conversation online, and they've done it with a product rollout that is so ludicrous. <laughs> I literally couldn't help myself from taking the time to pick it apart. Friends, peers, beer lovers everywhere, I ask you to wrap your heads around the following line of ad copy. <laughs> Clear Hazy IPA. <laughs> this is Bellas Point's big new My push. desk is too heavy to flip. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an absurdity that I find myself asking over and over whether this is actually industry parody of some kind. Did April Fool's Day arrive a month early? Is this beer accompanied by a translucent, opaque stout as well? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's uh, it's your it's your light bourbon barrel stout. <laughs> well, uh, the beer in question is called Big Gus, and it's one half of a dyad of new releases dubbed the Brothers Gus. We Gus is a light hop forward Pilsner esque lager with the ready-made selling point of being less than 100 calories for a 12-ounce serving. That's a pretty familiar concept at this point, as seemingly every national brewery has been attempting to get hoppy sub-100-calorie beers into the market for the last two years. 
but it's uh, the description of all the craft beer drinkers had uh, had notes from the doctor that said you've put on too much weight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other big gust that really boggles the mind here. It's a pretty standard IPA, save for the fact that Ballast Point is trying to market it as a clear, hazy IPA. In the process, they're more or less trying to position the idea of returning to how IPA was brewed for decades before the last five years as a novel idea that they are just inventing. (laughs) The sheer gall that they're displaying in trying to get the consumer to accept that this is a breakthrough in beer development can't help but make me stifle a laugh. Yes, it's it is really dumb. I want to look into this. There, it's there's there's the one way you look at it, and it's so, I see how this comes about. Someone in the room thought, guys, wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if we make fun of the whole hazy craze and we make just a West Coast IPA? But you say that out loud. Yeah, try our clear, hazy IPA. What? <laughs> like those words don't go together, you guys. Well, they have here. Look, oxymorons Oxymorons don't often work. You know, jumbo shrimp being in the exception. <laughs> mm, love me some jumbo shrimp. So the brewery's own words about this. Big ideas are typically born after a few beers, so the team sat down and came up with a fun challenge. What if we made a clear, hazy IPA? As the rest of the industry was deep in the haze craze, the Ballast Point Brewers bucked the trend by developing two beers that are clearly different from anything on the market. Ballast Point is well known for brewing hop-forward beers. The Brothers Gus are no exception, but they are crystal clear by design. P- point of order, uh, no, <laughs> they're, they're already past the haze craze, and are you high? <laughs> I don't think they know what the word clear means, because <laughs> then they also said they're clearly different from all the, and I don't think you are. <laughs> if they had called, yeah, I mean, okay, there's two levels. This does have us talking about it, so that's that's a success. However, because it's so dumb, I don't want to buy it. Well, here you have a good quote. We always wanted to make beer that looks different than it tastes, said Aaron Justice, Ballast Point's Director of Research and Development. That's sort of the creative play with Big and We Gus. We sat around as R&D team and thought, how can we make beers as clear as possible? What kind of scientific process? It's called Brute. Um, I, I think they missed that that whole brief train we had a couple yeah had a couple weeks where that was that was a, a thing and damn near look like water yeah <sighs> look if here's the question if they had called it they had called it a clear new england where they're still trying to get like the flavors of new england but it's a clear beer so would that be better i don't think Maybe if it's not hazy, just call it a like a citrus because if they're trying to get the flavor profile, you just call it like a citrus IPA. Yeah, I was gonna say you call it like a fruity IPA or a you know citrus IPA or something, but because that's you know, I'm drinking a 
I'm drinking a, a New England style right now that I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's tasty. It's not like a West Coast, which is super hoppy, also tasty. But I don't – like if this tasted like this and was clear, yeah, my mind would be blown. And I would be like, man, that's, that's, that's some weird – because I, I would expect that I wouldn't expect that flavor out of something that's super clear. However, if you call it a clear hazy, I get immediately angry and I don't want that's it. That's what it is. It's it's really it's strictly the wording. They should have they sh- I and and maybe it's not to the definition. I have to look that up. Like what exactly defines the New England style? Like if it's if it you know we did an episode on that. We did not come to conclusive. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So um, the, but, in the article, they it, go on with. Um, <laughs> I get the writers of this article from Paste uh, really have a bone to pick. Clearly with. angry, <laughs> but uh, they're saying um, basically there get was it. no lost secret to brewing clear beer that Ballast Point needed to rediscover. <laughs> oh wait, is this is this a picture of it that's that's further on down in here? Because that's just a brewed IPA. I have no idea. There's a lot of crap on mine. If you scroll down past uh, uh, point two. Like they just have a picture of a can that's uh, uh, from Twitter, I guess, and next to it is a, a I guess, a presumably a poured glass. And I'm just like, it's also not all that clear. I've seen clearer. Hmm. Okay, so uh, Casey's in the chat. New England style, so much late hop that it hazes up. So putting clear in front of, they should have just said citrus basically. <laughs> like, also, I will point out, like, if I look at this article, Ballast Point's Innovation Bucks to Trends in a Marketplace, the freaking beer isn't even clear. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I've seen clear. So they could have just taken um, Deschutes' route with this whole thing, and they, they Fresh Squeezed is the name of their citrusy, quasi-New yeah. England IPA. And they don't try to, they don't try to call it a New England. It's just... It's just an IPA. It's slightly cloudy, and that they call it fresh squeezed, and give you the imagery that it's going to be fruity and citrusy. Yeah. Now, New Belgium does a does the other thing where they make it hazy, but they do it by bunking with uh, by using like a the yeast yeah, the and yeast. Yeah, and it tastes entirely wrong. Yeah. Usually, like uh, what New Belgium uh, does, but- those beers are just wrong. Not, not all of them, but I guess not all of their beers. Not all but, their beers, but those but that the the hazies. Yes. So Casey said that they yeah. put a hazy in the in the name because that adds fifty percent to sales. So, <laughs> look, well, look, look, look. That's that's what we're talking about here. They may have hit the the diminishing returns where it's not going to do that. It's just going to make someone angry when they actually see it and they go, no. No, get out. Yeah. I'm not slap buying it off the shelf and go through a tantrum, <laughs> raking it all into the floor and stomping on the cans. Going, no, no, uh, no. Yeah. You know what? I'd be willing to pay for it if they'd let me do that. <laughs> well, uh, if they let me just like go in and go, like, no, okay, look, I'll even mop it up, but let me just slap it off the shelf and then just stomp just so other people can see me going, like, what, what's he doing? And, and fa- in fact, that would probably make balance points make more money because someone would then go I gotta see why this guy's so angry I would be a better marketer for this than they would <laughs> yeah well I guess uh, speaking of he says they're not doing obviously great end sales in the first place so yeah. speaking true. of slapping things off the shelves yeah uh, 
Topo Chico. Uh, Don't do that to this. It'll explode. Yeah, well, most, yeah. Uh, so, well-known brand, I believe. Um, really popular in Texas more than anything, right, I think? I don't know. Okay. I, that's what I thought. I hadn't ever heard of it until until Modern until, Rogue existed. That's where, yeah, that's where I was. Uh, <laughs> but um, they are releasing a hard seltzer. Um, it actually gets released stateside uh, March 29th. And the rundown of the flavors we have. Uh, so blends purified spiked sparkling water, natural flavors with mineral added for a crisp, refreshing finish. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, four flavors. Mm, limestone. Yeah, uh, lemon lime because that's just a standard. P- exotic pineapple, nice. strawberry guava, and tropical mango. This is going to retail. Uh, you got the four flavor, twelve pack um, variety pack of these slim cans because you know hard seltzer. Um, this is. Uh, it doesn't list a price, but. Um, but yeah, they're they're getting in the hard seltzer game. They're they're known for uh, it's basically just sparkling mineral water, um, yeah. and then you you have the tall glass bottles. So this is gonna also be a, I mean they're gonna have more than just the the slim cans, but it's still a departure from what they're generally doing as far as packaging goes. So, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just just thinking about it and just like. One tangy lemon lime. I'm just like so Sprite. If the carbonation is like, if it's too much carbonation, your syrup is running out. Gotcha. <laughs> but, uh, but also kind of the reason like we were looking at this was just like, oh, this is not the direction this usually goes. Usually, it's a brewery making a hard seltzer or right. something. Not, yeah, not somebody who's not already Topo making- Chico looking going like. Like so they had to get someone that could allow them to sell liquor. Like they had to like probably jump through more hoops. Maybe yeah. Than the other side. I mean, because it's basically like, oh, and here's the hard version of bubbly, essentially. You know, it's, um, and and the also the bubbly's not a hard seltzer. <laughs> no, they have ones with caffeine. I I thought, <laughs> I thought it I thought it was I thought that's why Marco Buble, no, you know, sold it. Nope, just straight up seltzer water. He made it in in his he made it in his garage when he when it's not Christmas Wife time. Blue he sells it to uh, middle aged <laughs> women in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who also enjoy Michael Buble during Christmas I mean, time? Like he he though? knows his target demo. Yeah, no, he's smart. Uh, so w- one interesting point was um, really just to kind of finish the story off because it's you know at the point there. Uh, it is slightly less spiked than the average hard seltzer notes. So um, it says Truly and White Claw are usually around 5% ABV. Topo Chico's hard seltzer is going to be at 47 So it's like slightly below the standard, hmm. um, which is odd. All I can picture, because, because my brain works only in excess. Right. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, it's just two people were like sipping like a Truly and a White Claw. And then one person, 4.7, they just cracking two of them and just trying to pour both of them into his mouth at the same time. Like, ah! So they, they turn into Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they slam the cans yeah. together over their head and throw them into the audience. Can you not Giving imagine everyone the like, like the, like the, the, the 20... Uh, the 2021 version of Stone Cold <laughs> popping open two Topo Chico hard seltzers? 
I need oh. that right now. I mean, that's going to be a TikTok, right? That's we know this. <laughs> Just I, no, I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm old, Brittany. We couldn't figure out Snapchat, so yeah. here we are. Yeah. Well, something that actually <laughs> makes more sense for us and our generation, Capri Sun. Mmm, sugar. <laughs> Sold in its distinctive pouch, Capri Sun is a childhood staple. Who doesn't remember squeezing the fruit drink, if you can call it fruit, down on a hot day at what felt like record speed? What's the fastest time has anyone ever finished a Capri Sun? It's not like my preferred drink as a child, uh, the uh, Squeeze-Its and the... uh, uh, and their their, uh, 90s uh, uh, counterpart... Mondo. I was getting ready to oh, say Mondo. the Mondos. Wow. Okay. Mondos Sun's weren't as fun. Harder plastic. You couldn't squeeze that as well. The squeeze it's cut, though, just... The Mondos <laughs> cut the sides of your mouth. Always. Yeah, they did. Oh, like, yeah. That, I, I'm pretty sure that's how the Joker got his scars in uh, <laughs> in Dark Knight. Like, that's the actual origin story for... Chugging Mondos. <laughs> A British, a British college student knows uh, he recently set the Guinness World Record. Yeah. Uh, Declan Evans, a 20-year-old from Lincoln, England, explained to the Lincolnite that he wasn't necessarily a proficient drinker. Instead, he simply set out with the goal of wanting to become a Guinness World Record holder. It, basically, he looked and saw that there was no one as a record holder, so as long as he just sucked one down quickly, he would win. We need to do that. There needs to be something we can drink the fastest. <laughs> Jello? I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, I guarantee you. There's a the uh, continue going on, but I will. I will. I'm gonna find Guinness record for. <laughs> yeah. To set the record, all Evans uh, had to do was take any commercially available unmodified 200 milliliter Capri Sun pouch, as Guinness World Records explained, and document himself consuming it using the straw. Which it's, must uh, begin the challenge. Uh, still inside the plastic film, because that's part of it. With like you had, he had to. It's still glued to the side, so he had to peel it from the side, take it out of the plastic, and puncture the pouch. Hmm. All there included. is, uh, there is because Jello is a solid. I guess it's considered being eaten, but oh. the record for most Jello eaten in a in a minute is six point three four slippery ounces. In around 18 seconds, he drank the whole thing. After a few tries on August 27th, Evans pulled off his record setting. Oh, 16.65 seconds. Mm. Mm. It's a stupid record to hold. <laughs> this is the quote. <laughs> that is the fun of the Guinness World Records. <laughs> well, that's... Um, um, like, let's... let's let's We, we mentioned Modern Rogue, but let's go into the, the way back Diamond Club machine uh, to Scam School back when it was on revision three, when that existed, they, they had a special where they did, uh, they had some not Guinness world record holder online thing that existed. And they had, uh, the, uh, furthest sky five where you jump and high five. No one had set that. So they went, we're just going to make a record right now. Not from Guinness, whatever. Well, this is a website that we can say is very accredited. I like the final the final line here. Um, talking about nostalgia, I guess every record can't be eating munchos or the largest mouthful of big league chew. God. Ugh. 
that stuff no. chalkiness. I'm just like, oh god, no. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. that's just not a good idea anyway. So yeah, I feel Mark's like someone now needs full to... of big big league chew is like about EA big. He's like, no, nope, nope, too much. Throw that out. Just burn the whole thing. We need to get someone, you know, to power sucking Capri Suns and dethrone this guy. <laughs> just, just I to can be, do it. Just to do it. <laughs> just and like right. when we get interviewed for it from by Food and Wine, be like, other oh, guy was just like a dick, and I wanted, I wanted <laughs> just to dethrone wanted. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just, I just couldn't, just couldn't cotton that man. <laughs> I couldn't take it. Yeah. Oh, on that uh. note. <laughs> so uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again in another couple of weeks for our next live episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we will see you guys next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. (laughs) 